Welcome to the GOGcast, the official podcast of North Wales-based GOG triathlon, Welsh Super Series champions and wearers of the best kit in Wales. Join us while we chat swimming, running and cycling and interview some famous and not-so-famous names in sport. Whether you're experienced or a beginner looking to try the sport, the GOGcast is the place to be. So get your padded cycling shorts on, tie those running shoes up tight, spit on your goggles to stop them steaming up, and join your hosts, John and Michelle Farrell, inside the GOGcast. Cool, this is Effort having a glass of wine then. Welcome to the Godcast. <laughs> I waited for her to take a, a mouthful of wine. Just in case you don't know, Mrs. F needs a little glass of wine before she comes on air, before she starts talking to the uh, the population of uh, of the world, don't you? That's an awful thing to say. I don't need a <laughs> glass of wine. It's 20 past 11 at night. I've just finished work. So a little glass of wine. I work a hard. I work a hard. Um... I'm not going to ask you how you are, Mrs. F, because you always say I ask you that, and uh, I know how you are. Nobody else needs to know. It's been a busy couple of months for us, even though we haven't had a Godcast, and even though we haven't done any events whatsoever. Oh, yeah, we have. Well, you have. You've done You've done a couple of good ones, but we'll talk about that after. Um, but um, welcome, anybody, welcome. This is going to be a really, really good Godcast, because we've got a fantastic interview later which i'm really looking forward to and i know i always say that but it's something um i'm really interested in the mds marathon de sablers for those who uh, aren't up to date with that abbreviation watched it for years on eurosport and listened to other podcasts about it and we've got our very own gog who's done it so uh, looking forward to hearing about that and then uh, probably we'll do it next year i think think not maybe not I, I no. can't. it's just an unbelievable achievement and for anybody to achieve it it's unbelievable mind-blowing <laughs> but then <laughs> somebody i know to have actually done it is even more mind-blowing I, you know what? i struggle to run along the seafront in abasoch <laughs> yeah but you still made post- it as a poster boy i still made it as a poster boy and glenn behind me Happy Glenn. Happy Glenn. Anyway, welcome everybody to the Godcast again. Sorry about the two-month delay, or is it two-month or one-month delay? We had a month off because we were away, and uh, now we're back. We had the plague, and then we went on holiday, and then we had the plague again, and here we are back again. You're very dramatic, John Farrell. It felt like the plague. It was worse than man flu, at the very least. Let's not mention the C word. Anyway... Here we go. So, we've got lots to talk about, we've got lots of results to come in, and we've got a great interview, so let's crack on with it, shall we? Okay, so a few of the results, um, notable results, we can't possibly, you know, possibly... Possibly, we couldn't possibly, (laughs) could we? Can't go through all of them, she's only had two glasses of wine, not two glasses, two mouthfuls of wine. Uh, we can't possibly go through all of them, so apologies to everybody if we don't shout your name out or anything like that, but there's so much going on. Okay, so the first one that I'd like to talk about is Ironman, because that is the ultimate uh, for us as triathletes. The Ironman in Ireland, uh, the Cork one, took place very recently, 
and Ema Sandham. Um, she's Irish, isn't she? So that would be her home Ironman, I uh, guess. Home Ironman. Um, she competed and completed uh, in 12 hours, 24 minutes and 25 seconds. Incredible, Ema. Well done. Fantastic. Iwan Davis, uh, another GOG, 11 hours and 40 minutes. Callum Stronach. 14 hours and 23 minutes and mark bryant in 14 hours and 10 minutes well done guys that's brilliant, brilliant results any any iron man's great isn't it but they've had such bad luck at iron man cork over the years i know remember um, neil tried to do it and the the swim was cancelled or the bike was no is that was... is that the one he tried yeah, because the bike yeah. the one he attempted i know the bike because it, the roads were flooded it gets such bad weather Oh, uh, down realize. in the uh, bottom left-hand corner of uh, Ireland, uh, coming off the Atlantic, and sometimes they really struggle. But this year they had perfect weather, and the guys made uh, the most of it by getting some fantastic results. So, so well done, guys. That, that's that's brilliant. We've also had the ETU European Championships, uh, the sprint distance triathlon uh, in Munich recently. Um, Paul Algieri went and competed. And he was the eighth British athlete in his age group. And he completed in one hour, 13 minutes and 42 seconds. Wow. Now, I think it's those new trainers he's got, those new Nike running shoes. Yeah, yeah, They've made him so much faster. He's like uh, PBs in parkrun every, <laughs> every week. Like, about two weeks ago, he said to me, uh, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to have a nice little plod around today. Just take it easy because I'm, I'm tired. Came back with a PB. Mm. Next time I saw him, I'm just going to take it easy. And then I looked, and he was at the front of the park run, and he got another PB. Yeah, he's flying at the moment, all Man. that training. I'm going to steal his shoes. Well done, Paul. Um, and Malcolm Harrison also competed in his age group. Malcolm. Uh, one hour, 27 minutes, 36 seconds, 11th Brit in his age category. So well done, That's Malcolm. Brilliant. brilliant. He, always, he always comes good, doesn't he, Malcolm? Well done. Well yeah, done. he does well, to mm. be fair. Um, Neil Vickers-Harris The aforementioned Neil Vickers-Harris Oh he gets a mention every podcast he doesn't does. he Because of the things he's doing um, The incredible right. things he's achieving And his most recent I think it's got to be the best hasn't it Going to Coldplay No apart from going to Coldplay oh, right. okay. He went to compete in the inaugural So the very first South Downs 100 mile ultra Wow uh, 12,000 feet of ascent on this one and he competed it, completed it, I can't speak, in uh, 26 hours, 10 minutes and 48 seconds, putting himself fifth overall and first in his age group. Well done, Neil. Kudos. That's uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Imagine that, racing for 26 hours, 10 minutes and well, 48 seconds. Normal 10K for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know you're a bit it out. Feels like I know it. you've got a bit to do, but no, it's not quite that. It, it feels like it anyway. That's 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 what it feels like. Speaking of ultras, Kerry, Kerry, our very own Kerry on the media team. Um, she did the Kirby Coastal Marathon in five hours thirty-two minutes, and she was eighth in her age group. Um, and Felicity also took part in this one. And seven hours, 20 minutes, and she was first in her age. And didn't she even stop and have a... a she did. Have a drink in a pub or so, a Coke somewhere. She had, um, she was looking for, she knew there was a pub or a, che a checkpoint actually coming up. I was talking to her tonight at uh, Gog Running. And she, she, knew that, uh, she knew there was a checkpoint coming up and she thought, I hope they got Coke. Could do with a Coke. And uh, when she got there, they didn't. 
But the guy at the checkpoint said, I know where you can get one. So they went to the pub. No, why not? She sat down and had a coat. She was in no rush to do that ultra because uh, she'd done, I think the week before she'd done a 42 mile or something and the week after she was doing another one as well. Wasn't it like a training sort yeah, of yeah, one rather than... Take yeah, it easy. That's yeah. what ultra runners do. That's what it's about. It's enjoy it, slowing down and enjoying the experience. That's why I'm doing it. You just want to go Sl- slow. And, and, and go to pubs. <laughs> so I'm gonna, a pint uh, of bitter is... Probably not the best thing during mm. a race. We did it in uh, on Anglesey when we went on a trail run there. We stopped and had a pint. I had a half, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah I had to walk back. Right. Yeah, we walked the last 2K. Come on with the results. Oh, Come right. on, there's a lot All of them. Right. So we've had the snowman try as well. Seems such a long time ago. Always aim high. That's the end of July, wasn't it? Yeah, always put a good uh, So lots of gogs took part on. in that one. And as well as the Carnarvon 10K, um, loads of gogs there. Yeah. Yeah, um, lots of PBs there. Yes, there were. Yeah, it's good weather though again. Rather hot for running, but uh, mm. I think that one was okay. Um, Diva Aquathlon in Chester as well. Andy Jones, I think, won overall, didn't he? He did, so, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, but only just. Oh, yeah, and then Trianne was first lady, <laughs> yeah. but she was like seven seconds behind yeah. him, I think. So, so uh, was hunting him down. That was so a well very done. close run race. Brilliant. Uh, Vicky Cole, second lady. And I know she's she's put a lot of work in, so uh, well done, Vicky. Running well. Uh, and Sasha Jones was fourth lady. So we've got, you know, Gogs, one, two and four, yeah. which is uh, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. We had the Breakwater five-mile race in Hollyhead, uh, which was the uh, Welsh Athletics five-mile champs, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Steph got a bronze in her age group, Steph Conway, who's that's one fantastic. of our coaches. Yeah, fantastic, Steph. Well done. That's, br- that's brilliant because she's worked hard this year. I know she's going towards 70.3, um, but she's uh, running well. She was with us tonight on Thursday Night Running also, and she ran really well. Um, racer train as well. Malcolm Harrison oh, won his oh. age group. So uh, lots of gogs took part in that. Nice yeah. fast 5K downhill, isn't it? That's my PB for 5K. And same, mine is as well. <laughs> it's all downhill, isn't it? You know? And I think it was slightly short that year as and well. it was, yeah. And we beat the train, but only because somebody pulled the emergency handle on the train and stopped it. So Yeah, we actually beat that train. Um, there's been the Broadhaven Standard Try as well. That's part of the Super Series. Uh, Gog's got some points there, which are always, you know, needed. Well, not always needed. Always but needed. Always, they are needed but, but, to help us win this yeah, series it's, again. It's great the people that go down South Wales and, and uh, you know, Mid Wales, because you, a lot of the races are down there. So it's more difficult for us to to get points when they're all down there, because it's such a, lo- a long way to go. Um, so... We have gogs going down there to score points. It's like little sort of extras for us because when the races are up here, we can really, really hammer the mm. races and get yeah. lots of points. So, Balance so and yeah. So well done to the guys for going down there and and doing that because they they keep us up there in the uh, on the table. And then when uh, the series comes up here, we can really get stuck in and see whether we can retain that trophy. Mm. So well, well done, guys. I think Chris Bennett though had a bit of a. Mare, didn't he? He had a mare. (laughs) Right, mare. He had a blowout, I believe. He Um, had to walk back. He had to walk home. Not all Mm. the way here, obviously. He just walked to the the finish with it. So he DNF'd, I believe. But hard luck, Chris, but 
It happens, I it suppose. It happens. Well, yeah. I'm amazed that he couldn't fix it within 30 seconds, <laughs> Chris, but it must have been bad. And the final result, I think, before we move on to this interview, uh, the Diva Divas. Uh, so that's the female-only triathlon held in Chester, uh, where you swim in the D. Um, Angie Hughes won bronze in the aqua bike so well done angie i know she, with the running she's you know, had a bit of an injury i think so still coming back from that so to get bronze on the aqua bike you know well done you yeah, done really well and then lots of gog ladies there um ali barber colette price elizabeth driscoll evelyn hefferman sarah massey cheryl stewart Dinah Hazeldean and Louise Everall. So well done, girls. Um, you God girls did did really well. All, did they did took part and finished it. And there was one more that we haven't mentioned: the Taliban Run, which is our local run here up our local mountain, which is quite an, a little iconic uh, race that takes part in the Rowan Carnival. Um, and um, we had three gogs there doing that. And the week leading up to it was quite miserable up there, wasn't it? Because we went up there and it was quite really cloudy and drizzly and you couldn't see the top of Taliban. And for anyone who doesn't know, you run up the mountain right to the summit around and then back down again. It's quite quite tough, but these fell runners. These fell runners are tough people. So actually, um, Grant Little, he came second in his age group on that. Andy Jones... He won a gold in his age group, so he, uh, so uh, Grant got silver, Andy got gold, and um, Michelle Farrell also won a uh, a gold medal medal in her age group as well. And uh, who would who would think that after all the stress leading up to it? <laughs> so you've done really well lately, haven't you? Because you won your age group in the in Rowan's Run. I know you don't like so talking about yourself. So can we move on with this interview And now, you I'm won sure. a gold in your age group. So well done you. So never mind saying well done to everybody else. Well done you as well because uh, you're running really well. That wasn't on my results here. That wasn't something that we and were going to discuss. And soon to go to Scotland to do a 10 miler. So we will, uh, we will, um, we will report this. back on that. Um, we actually missed the Cubby Coastal, didn't we? So we couldn't run with uh, uh, Fliss and, and Kerry during that because we were poorly coming back from holiday that'll teach us to go away mm-hmm. uh, so we we had to uh we dns'd yeah on that we disappointingly to, i know because we were looking forward to it but um and it was such a lovely day as well but we've got the equinox 24 coming up soon we have so 24 hour in september is that about four weeks is it something like that yes something like that something like that so uh so we'll, we'll report back on that a little bit you know when we when we've done that as well so um yeah so all good so moving on then moving on what we'll do is that we shall introduce our guest yes so without further ado can we introduce to you jason burke and his story about the marathon de sables Okay, and welcome back. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I always say that every every time I have a guest on, uh, but I am really, really looking forward to this because the guy we're talking to today is such an unassuming guy, somebody I've known through Gog, so he's, he's, he's one of our own club, has done some incredible things 
And the reason I wanted to get him on, amongst other things, is because I want to hear about the MDS, the Marathon de Sables. And for anyone who, who uh, doesn't know what that is, I'll get my guest to explain what it is. So please welcome, a big welcome, to Jason Burke. Thank you very much. A very warm welcome it is too. It is. Yeah, let, let, let's just explain to people. Because we're going to talk about the MDS, what we've done is we've decided to have this interview in a caravan in the middle of North Wales in what feels like 120 degrees. So it's probably hotter than it was at the MDS, Chase. All we need is a sandstorm and we'll be good. <laughs> it's incredible. So if you hear any drips, it's sweat dripping off us, but... There we go. There we go. We have to get on with it. We have to um, bring back those memories, Jason. So, Jason Burke, Gog Extraordinaire, welcome to the show. Um, as I said, I've been looking to get you on for some time now, so I'm really looking forward to this. MDS, what was all that about? Oh, dear. A classic case of uh, too much to drink one night. I know what. I'll enter that race. And next thing you know, you've been accepted and you think, oh, no. So... <laughs> Madness, madness. So, so tell us briefly, Jason, what is the MDS? What, what, what is it all about? Okay, so the the Marathon de Sable was a, it for me on the year that I did it. It was two hundred and forty eight kilometres through the Sahara over six stages. Uh, I had the company of eight hundred and fifty four other runners from forty five nationalities. So. Is that six days? Is it so? So you, so you have. Six stages. So one of the stages is over two days because it's an ultra distance. Uh, so it was over seven days in total. Oh, so because is it the last day is not like a charity run or something? Or did did they still do that for like a uh, the last marathon for charity in the last day? Or did they do that when you when you did it? No, I don't believe they did. Uh -huh. I, I mean, I was a. Uh, the last day I was pretty out of it, so <laughs> um, if there was other people there, I didn't spot them. All right, anything could have happened. So that so it's uh, across the Sahara. Across the Sahara, yep. Uh, what time of year? Uh, it was just after Easter, so nice and cold over here, <laughs> and then uh, out in the Sahara, it's a quite a rude awakening. Obviously, the training that we've been doing yeah. in January, February, March had all been cold weather training. So to arrive out to the Sahara and. You're brushing the sweat off your forehead and you're just on the bus on the way to the start line. You're thinking, oh, goodness. It's a bit like coming to Anglesey, right? Or August. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, just, this heat. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. <laughs> if only you had this caravan then. Oh, oh yeah, um, doing lovely. Uh, so, Jace, take us back to how it all started. You, you, you weren't always a runner. No, I, was, I hated running at, at school. I'd be the first one to try and get out of PE or games. I thought it was horrible, this <laughs> running and ending up sweating and out of breath. I couldn't understand why anyone would do it. But uh, I found uh, a passion for running in 2002. Started off with a, a 5K. And I remember doing that and getting to the end and... In my mind, I was nearly dead, and I thought, how could anyone possibly do double the distance? You know, a ten k. Was that just a run by yourself, or was that like? No, a... it was a it was a race, a local race, and uh, I just uh, thought, yeah, I'm going to give that a go. I had no idea about pacing, no idea about shoes, no idea about what to wear, and uh, I remember getting to the finish line, five k, and I thought, that's mad. How can anyone possibly do ten k? <laughs> But uh, I then asked Jenny for my cigarettes because I smoked at the time, had a cigarette and recovered. And next thing you know, you've got your eyes on a 10K. 
You'll never give it up then. So you did it. <laughs> you did the ten k. How long after was that? That was in the same year. Uh, again, you know, I had no idea about pacing. I didn't really know. Just used to go out miles too fast, and then the uh, first three k flying along, and spend the next seven k regretting it bitterly, and just <laughs> hanging on by my fingernails. A bit like just, I run mine actually. <laughs> just praying for the end. Just thinking, <laughs> hurry up. So you so you obviously got the bug after that then after that that ten yeah, k yeah it gets it gets into your blood doesn't it yeah. then and then next thing you're doing ten milers half marathons what was the first half marathon did you can you remember Ooh, I think it would have been Henley which goes up a, a god awful hill and then once the uh, once the big uphills out of the way it's a lovely descent for many more miles so yeah very much enjoy that one but uh, and then. Soon after that, you're looking at, you know, longer distances. You're looking at, yeah, 20 milers. And then you think, well, not too far away from a marathon now. And then, yeah, and it just goes on from there. It doesn't yeah. stop. So you did, you did your first marathon? Yes, I uh, did my first marathon. It was Snowden Marathon. Oh, was it? So you did uh, it up here? Came all the way up to sunny North Wales. Uh, it wasn't To do that. the hardest marathon in North Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I fell in love with it. I just loved it. Give me Snowden Marathon any day of the week. I've you know done other marathons, you know, including London. And while Lund's, whilst London's an amazing marathon, give me Snowden any day. It's just beautiful. I loved it. And you've done it half a dozen times now. Six six times, yeah. Are you doing it this year? No, no. Um, Can I have my place if you want. <laughs> I said to Jenny after I've done six, I'll have six slates and then I'll stop. <laughs> so we had a, a table that had six places and then we stopped at six. <laughs> Otherwise you'll have to invite other people around. Yeah, you? That's the problem, get yeah, a bigger so. table. So after you did the marathons, basically you thought, like a lot of people do, like you, I've I've done myself, you know, you do, you do a marathon and you think, I'd like to go a little bit further uh, and things like that. So, yeah, I'll go a little bit further. Let's do 250k across a desert. Or is that how it worked? <laughs> It's, uh, it wasn't quite a leap that far, but it does creep up on you. I mean, all of a sudden, a marathon's not far enough. And then you're looking at, uh, you know, I did a couple of 33-mile ultras. And then next thing I knew, I was ra racing across Wales in a day. Um, Who was that with then? What? Ah, so that was a great organisation, the uh, LDWA, the Long Distance Walkers Association. Uh, a very very relaxed low-key events and they're quite welcoming to runners as long as you're not too ultra competitive you're very right. welcomed and they do a number of events 40 milers across wales in a day and are they running events or are they run walks or just do what you want to do do what you want to do oh, so it's a mixture of uh as with many ultras going up the hills is as fast as you can go coming down the hills yay let's go and on the flats, just see how long you can keep running for. So, but so they were very welcoming. Um, every checkpoint would generally have tea and biscuits, you know, very oh, really? sedate affairs, and <laughs> yeah, just lovely people. But uh, not not your typical running race. It's just what you can do. That's, that sounds great. That I, so you'd recommend that to other people to 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 do. Is that still going? Is it? Hundred percent yeah. recommend it. Yeah, and the certainly the Cross Wales one every year they run it. Um, I just saw some adverts the other day for it. So classic starts at Clarlin and finish in Aberystwyth. And considering you've traversed Wales, it's amazing how few houses or signs of life you see. Yeah. It's uh, quite empty in the middle. 
And, and that's so that's called the Long Distance Walkers Association. So exactly. don't let that put you off. It's a it's a, it's a nice little walk or a run or, or as you want it. But it's a way of just getting through Wales and having a look through Wales and that. Beautiful, yeah. Lovely supported event. I will look that up forthwith. Even. <laughs> I, I must say, I'm just gonna just gonna bring in this at this moment in time. And I mentioned we're in we're in a caravan. It's not actually Jason's home, by the way. The caravan. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a caravan as part of his home here that we've come to get some peace and quiet in, and that's why it's so hot. Uh, but looking behind Jason, I can see the whole of the Carnadai. I can see it's a clear day. I can see everything from Snowdon all the way over to the Carnadai's um, and and further, and it's absolutely incredible. So although we're we're, we're sweating our togs off here, it's uh, <laughs> it's well worth it. I tell you, it's a, it's a sight to behold. So MDS, obviously yes. after the years, you must have thought at what point and what's the process for actually entering? Okay, so I mean, is it the Marathon de Saab? Marathon de Saab, yep. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, it's a very expensive, once in a lifetime for me, opportunity to do something that I will never get to do again. And when I entered it, I didn't think I'd get in. And next thing you know, I got a confirmation letter and they initially only ask you for a few hundred pounds and it's not too bad. But then you get a couple of other letters asking for quite a lot more money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was um, it was a bit of a sacrifice in many ways. And I'm very lucky that Jenny supported me through this race because mm. you know we had to make financial sacrifice sure. there was time spent training there was investment in kit to take out there and uh yeah she was beside me all the way very just lucky. encouraging me yeah lucky to have a, a good woman alongside you we're, we're, we're both very lucky James. very lucky very lucky um so when you found did you know of of the um mds anyway or were you looking around for something something incredible to do at the time or to really push yourself at that time I think as a younger man you know I'd really enjoyed my climbing coming up to North Wales and I'd always looked at people that had climbed Everest and like full of admiration for them but then as my life progressed I moved more away from climbing because geographically I didn't live on the doorstep of the mountains moved into running and for me the the marathon de Saab was going to be my Everest it was going to be my pinnacle of my cli of my sure. running, sure. and uh, I just saw it and I just fell in love and I just thought, wow, that's incredible to run through the desert, and it is a very selfish thing to do. There's a lot of sacrifices get made, you know, a lot of pain and hurt, but I have to say it turned out to be the best week of my life. So, so the process then is that you just go you go on their website or whatever do you and and you just apply with with your details and go yeah I'd like to do it and that's uh, it it's do you have to put any background in on things like these you don't have to have you don't you don't have to have done something before you do it or anything at the time that I entered it no um, okay. I just I could just enter it uh, and then it was a case of on the day you just got to keep trying to ring 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 or just trying to get through uh, so it was a it was a case of Eventually, I got through, spoke to someone. My memory serves me right. Yeah, it's a, it's a few. Yeah, years, it's, it's a few. <laughs> I'm still dining out on it though. <laughs> I, I can't. I, absolutely, mate. I can't even remember what happened last year, so don't, <laughs> don't, don't have to worry about that. But uh, eventually, got confirmation I was in, and then you get the uh, request for the first payment, and you think it's years away, and you already want five hundred pounds off me. And uh, yeah. so, so what time of year was this then, when you applied and, and got to here? 
I was going to say it was probably the the submissions are probably about a year and a half before the actual event. All right. So it's quite some time away. So basically, when you think of it, entering, when you think of it, next year's event is already full and the year after. So you're generally looking at the year after that. Okay. So you have to just keep that keep that passion and keep yeah. thinking, I will get in, I will get in, and then just hope you do. If not, it's the year after, I'm afraid. What was, it always makes me laugh, but what was Jenny's reaction when you actually said to her the first time, you said, um, I w- I'd like to do this. What was her reaction? I think, as always with Jenny, she's always been so supportive, you know, through running events, yeah. being there on the wet days, through ultras. You know, when you get home, there's generally a bath run and she knows That's that you're it. coming in, you're absolutely drained of energy. Same with the triathlons now. It's just, I've run you a bath, this is done, that's done. Just that person there ready to pick you up when you're just flat. That's fantastic. So, yeah, so Jenny was totally supportive from the very, very beginning. That's brilliant. Yeah, because, you know, you know, we often talk about, you know, that we're lucky because we do events together and we do, you know, we're, we're both you know athletes as such but when there's only one of you then it's uh it, you know it take does take a lot of support off yes. the other person and yeah. uh, you're very lucky again that you've uh, you've got that so that was 2012 and you um you actually run it yes that's correct okay so uh, and, and then so to prepare for it you started uh, just going longer and doing these uh, is it the uh, LDWA walks and, yeah. and the like and used to go down to the south coast train the sands started to pick uh, ultra distance marathons uh, tried to do multi-day events and started to run with the backpack you know used to practice with 10 kgs and just get used to that feeling of the backpack bouncing on your back for ultra yeah. distances because what can start off as a small annoying little niggle Oh, my goodness, it can drive you nuts over a much longer distance. It can consume your every waking thought. It's so frustrating. You've got to make sure that your kit is rock solid because there is no plan B when when you're out in the desert. You can't change anything. There's no shops. There's no... Yeah, of course. You've got what you've got, and that's it. So do they, when you get in, do they give you a lot of advice? Do you get a lot of... Um, uh, training plans or things like that or did you did you follow your own or did you follow one of theirs or did you just it was like a hybrid sort of thing uh, they were very good they give you a compulsory equipment list um, you know which consists of strange things like lighter whistle knife tropical disinfectant <laughs> anti-venom pump was on the list okay. as well a signaling mirror for helicopters <laughs> they tell you how many calories you have to bring with you for each day and this is checked before the race so you can't okay. try and travel light and cut corners um so and then of course there's people that have done the race previously then that will then send you emails and say oh we've, we're running this camp or we're doing this and all right and you get the opportunity to go and talk to someone that's done it before because i didn't know anyone that had done it before no, so no. You, you have a million questions and to have a, somebody in front of you that's done it, um, it's just fantastic. It just makes all the questions that you got in your head, you just get that chance to ask them. So so the training for something like that obviously has to start quite early for it anyway to, because you're going to be running long distances and running on tired legs, I'm guessing, and, and, and the like, and running multiple days. So what sort of training did you do then? Are you, you were talking about the the um, cross Wales walk mm. runs and things like that. Uh, um, did you do other trail runs or, and the like? Yeah, I was 
targeting lots of uh, longer distances, so 20 milers, marathons, ultras. Um, and then as I got closer to the event, I realized well, I was okay on my pins, but uh, the one thing that was missing was really, you know, the exposure to heat. Right. And that's the thing that I really needed to get used to. Should have just come in this caravan. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly UK training in January, February, March, you know, uh, is not very good prep for the Sahara. No. It was a bit of a shock, but um, I found ways around that, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And there's a, so I started to do things like uh, Bikram yoga, just get used to it. And then uh, I wrote to Loughborough University and just a speculative email. Mm-hmm and uh, asked if they might be able to help me, you know, and uh, I was aware that I had a climatic chamber uh, with a running machine and uh, could generate 40 degrees heat. And I was pleasantly surprised, got an instant letter back saying, yeah, please, we're happy to support you. We'll just use it as a study for some of our university students. So, That's yeah, good. they were very, very helpful, very helpful. Had they supported anyone else before doing the mds or no 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 so that was handy for them as well i was the first one so um again very very interesting results Mm. they were able to do things that like uh, measure my sweat loss rate so they're able to measure my weight before an hour's running measure my weight after an hour's running add on the water that i've taken on board calculate my sweat rate and from things like that they're able to calculate based on what I knew I was going to be get given for water, that I'd be dehydrated from day one. Really? So they said, yeah, you will be dehydrated from day one. You must be very careful with your water. Don't pour it on your head. Every little drop must go down your throat. So uh, so you knew exactly how much water you needed to take in on a day as such, given a certain temperature on that day? Yeah. On the race itself, you would get given a, a set amount of water at the start and then at various checkpoints. You can mm. only have that amount of water... You can opt to have extra water, but you're then given a time penalty. Ah. So it's quite a mean race, really. Mm. <laughs> yeah, th- you'd think that stick you in the middle of the desert, they'd give you as much to drink as you possibly yeah. have, but uh, obviously that's not the case. So, so Loughborough then they that was that was a great experience. Amazing. There, it was a, I mean, an interesting side story. Um, obviously, what they've got to do is put on this running machine in a 40 degree heat chamber but one of the key pieces of information is they said we have to measure your internal body temperature and I thought oh where's the thermometer going to go <laughs> and then they gave me a glove and uh, some Vaseline and a, a a cable and I thought where's that going <laughs> and oh, it quickly my. dawned on me where they were going to be monitoring this temperature <laughs> while I ran <laughs> so, uh, so, okay <laughs> So when they say the sun shines out of you, it did, did actually did then. Uh, yeah, it was a. They never told me that bit before I went there. Otherwise, I might have given it a second thought. But um, obviously, they need to know what's going on inside your body. It's yeah. no good taking your temperature under your tongue or in your ears. It's your internal body temperature. So yeah, that was a a shock. So, but I suppose coming away from there, you must have felt a lot more optimistic and positive because they've, they've more or less said look you know this is what you need to do you are fit enough you are well enough to do it 100 percent. i then had the confidence i knew i could run 40 degrees yeah. for an hour hour and a half i knew what was going to happen to my body i knew where the sweat was going to go as well which is something i hadn't really thought about yeah. before you know sweat runs down your back and it can accumulate and it can cause quite sore chafing right if you know about it you're ready for it you yeah. can deal with it 
Um, so running in the UK in January, February didn't prep me for no, for of that. course. And you said you did hot yoga. Yes, what's yeah. hot yoga? Um, just uh, a superheated room, conventional yoga, but uh, yeah, in a high temperature room, Bikram yoga. I believe I'm pronouncing it right. Right. Uh, yeah, man. Do That's you... just to get your muscles moving in the heat and that. Yeah, and when you finish and you look down at the uh, the dark shaded patch where all your uh, body fluids have gone, you think, wow. <laughs> and you always come out of quite a bit lighter than when you went in. <laughs> so, as you were doing the miles then, and obviously you started carrying the kit and carrying your your, your rucksack and the like, uh, you you had to make. You had to make the decisions what you were going to carry in there, and mm. um, and and given the the list you had to have, so how do you manage that? It's incredible. You become addicted to looking at the weights of things. You become addicted to looking at how much energy some foods are going to give you. You you just look at every little thing, everything. I mean, when I got out to the start of the race, I met people that had cut their labels out of their clothes and discard them because they were unnecessary grams they'd cut their shoelaces down to the shortest possible the toothbrush was just basically the head of the toothbrush you become very focused on it if you've got to carry it for 248 kilometers if you don't need it don't carry it so you mentioned there about carrying nutrition and, and water and that so how did you you obviously practiced with nutrition and, and, and what you were going to have on there beforehand. Was that much different to what you would have done normally? Or or, oh. was, or, or did you take, there was a lot of uh, tips on what you, you needed, really? I learned some hard lessons. <laughs> uh, the tablets that you put in your drink, you know, to give you the energy. You know, I thought, oh, I love Coca-Cola. I'll have Coca-Cola. Lovely over here. Nice cold drink. Coca-Cola tablet dropped in there to give you your, your electrolytes. If you take that water out to the desert and it's heated up to 40 degrees and you drop a, a tablet in there and you're drinking lukewarm bath water type Coca-Cola, it's the most disgusting <laughs> thing in the world. So yeah, I learned a few hard lessons. I hadn't thought about it, but everything that you get given to drink has been exposed to the sunlight and it's very, very warm. Right. So it's not very refreshing. Did, did you have to practice with warm or did, did you tend not to? No, I, I I completely was not on my radar that that was going to be the case. Yeah, I just thought I like the taste of Coca-Cola, yeah. so I'll go with those tablets. That sounds mm. lovely. Um, and Coca-Cola over here from the fridge is lovely, but over <laughs> there it was awful in bath water. Uh, and what about food? What about what, what sort of food did, did you have to eat? Yeah, so I had dehydrated packs. Again, you know, you choose... You choose food that you enjoy over here. You don't necessarily think about where you're going to be when you're cooking it. You know, you're sat on the floor, cross-legged, uh, and you've got a little stove going. You just run a marathon, and you're making this chili con carne that now doesn't look at all appealing because it's very, very hot. There's a sandstorm blowing. Every bit of you's aching, and you've got a chili con carne cooking. But there isn't a plan B. you just got to eat it. It's necessary not nice maybe is probably the best mm. way of looking at it. over here you'd probably really enjoy it but out there it's just stodge you just got to get that stodge in and that's difficult i suppose at any time of the day that's hard to just to get the food in it was it was really very hard to do that to admin get back to you 
for want of a better word, tent. Can you can you practice that before, or is that really just you have to experience it there and accept I think, it? I think you've got to experience it. Of course, uh, the Moroccans they would survive the whole week on this uh, high energy date bar that they'd brought out there. Uh, you know, and they they would be travelling with packs. You know, maybe half the weight of ours. These guys are super fast athletes, very mm. accustomed to the hot temperatures. So uh, us Brits, we're, uh, we're not so accustomed to Sahara sunshine. Well, your whole body changes, isn't it? Yeah. And the, the, the way your body processes food and drink and everything changes, isn't it? And the temperatures and under that stress and uh, of, of the day. So it's, uh, I suppose it's very, very difficult to to prepare for that but but does it get better as the week goes on do do you actually does your body become used to it as the week goes on your body is an amazing tool and to think what it's come from it lands in the sahara we get off a plane then we start racing for a week um yeah the first day was tough and i was filled with lots of self-doubt but after the first day was out of the way your body and your mindset just changes and uh, what seemed impossible at the start of the first day when you take off and you think, oh, my goodness, my calves feel like they're going to explode here in running through this soft sand. And by the end of the first day, you I don't know, your body's just amazing. It's just incredible what you can ask it to do. And it does because I had no right to expect my body to do what it had done that week. Mm. And it just didn't fail me. It just kept going. Quite incredible. So... Take us to the South African Sahara, isn't it? It's, it's South Sahara, isn't yep. it? That, that, so um, you fly over there. Fly over there, get met, uh, coached then to a, uh, basically into the desert. How many competitors are there, do you say? Uh, so there is 854 runners yep. in my event. Um, and then there are... I mean, logistics-wise, there was 115 volunteers, 400 support staff, and 52 medical staff. Wow. wow. So it was quite an entourage yeah, of people yeah. moving through the Sahara. And from 45 countries, you said? Yeah, 45 different countries a year <laughs> that I was there. It was quite a diverse race. Yeah, quite yeah. a lot of uh, guys from, and girls from the UK. Yeah. So very, very lots of uh, UK flags. So... You, so you get met by a, a bus, you get taken into the to your base camp. So that, this is the day before, is it? Just one day before? That's it. Then we get transferred into the back of uh, lorries. So right. these lorries were lorries that you typically use for carting stones around in the UK. So we just stood up in the back, right. like lemmings, basically staring out <laughs> over the top. And then uh, the, they take us the next bit then into the middle of the desert where the camp's set up. And then it becomes very real. I bet. <laughs> there's no going back. No. Oh, they're not. And they're not real tents as such, are they? They're no. Just... They're just a. I can only describe it as a triangle-shaped piece of material with open ends, which uh, was effectively there to keep the sun off you, but right. it did nothing to keep the sandstorms out right. or to keep the wind out. So uh, on a windy night, when the the wind is getting up into the tent and it's smashing you in the face all night. And you think, well, I've got to do a long distance tomorrow, I don't need this. So you've got, so you're in this camp, you're milling around for the first day, meeting your campmates, and, and do you get allocated tents, or do you just go and choose somewhere, and or do you know who you're going to be in a tent with before? So each country's got like a, a, a defined area, and you just go to that defined area, go to a tent, and think, they look like a good laugh, 
and chuck your bag in right. and that's it and i was not disappointed i had a great time i had such a good laugh with my tent mates we just laughed and giggled we were all suffering yeah. all week yeah. But we had a great time. Such a good laugh. It was best week ever. Well, you've got a good sense of humour anyway. So yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, I can imagine them getting on with you or something. That makes it a lot easier for you. if You you need a sense of humour, I suppose. Oh, yes. So, first day there, then you're milling round. Um, you have your first night there. You've you've been out into the uh, the desert with your spade to uh, dig your hole, I take it. Yep. <laughs> so, Which is harder than a sandstorm, if yeah. there's one, I suppose. Um, so, I mean, at the start of the week, again, very British, everyone's all prim and proper. <laughs> if you need to go to the toilet, you'd go off some distance and uh, use a toilet. By the end of the week, you're just basically living like animals. <laughs> it's just <laughs> while you're chatting to someone, do your business. <laughs> right. it was a, and that was not just the boys. <laughs> it said, what's this about the pillows? <laughs> Well, um, one of the other tents, uh, remember I said earlier about uh, everyone's become so focused on grams, on weights of things. You know, if you didn't need it, don't carry it. I mean, I'm talking mm. people were ripping, I don't know, unwanted half pages of instructions or anything you didn't need was gone. Uh, I didn't need, uh, for example, you know, when I took out my wet wipes, I dehydrated them for about a week in our airing cupboards when i took them out they were as crispy as hell when i got out there just used a couple of drips of water but yeah. i didn't need to carry moist wet wipes so but um one of the tents beside us uh again this uh, focus on grams um one of the guys had, had a great idea to use a, a condom for a pillow you know <laughs> what a brilliant lightweight pillow oh, how clever is that but unfortunately for him, the uh, the ground was quite stony and sharp. So during the course of the night, he, uh, he popped <laughs> more than one condom and then promptly discarded it outside his tent that had five other men. And then uh, <laughs> the next morning, people were walking past and looking at this <laughs> pile of used condoms. <laughs> thinking flipping heck what's <laughs> happening in that tent it's got some, <laughs> got some energy yeah but uh what a great idea you know i wish i'd have thought of it my pillow was filled with feathers and really heavy i'm sure when you when you get there on that first night it must be pretty nerve-wracking i was really scared mm. uh, that first night what i'm really scared about was failing was that dnf was that threat of having to come back having a dnf and for the whole next year Everyone saying, oh, well, never mind. At least you gave it a go. And I didn't want that. I really didn't want that. I so didn't want that. I didn't care what I had to do. I just wanted to finish. I didn't mind if I was last. Just wanted to finish. That fear of DNF was all consuming. Got day one out of the way. And after day one was out of the way, you felt thought, better. it's okay. So you wake up in the morning. You do, as I said, you, get, you pop out with your, your shovel. And um, then you prepare yourself for the for the day. Isn't there a bit of a get-together before the start? There it? is, yeah. So uh, Patrick Bauer, the race director, he gathers you all in. He gives you a uh, brief about the event. And one thing that he keeps reinforcing is go slow, go slow, go slow. Every year, people go fast. It's day one. Go slow. You try and remember that and you think, OK, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then, you know, somebody says three, two, one, <laughs> go. And they're playing highway to hell at full volume you've got the Eurosport helicopter flying above you oh, right. 
and you think I'm flying <laughs> I'm absolutely flying it's like a local 5k again yeah and within a mile you're thinking wow my calves are going to explode in this soft sand and uh, the earliest DNF was within the first mile or two so somebody just uh, done a U-turn went back to the beginning and said I'm in the wrong place can you get me out of here really so, uh, I think he was a wealthy person but maybe uh, suffered suffered with it yeah yeah, when you talk about the first day being a short one, it's it's it, in reality it's it's one of the it's probably the shortest day, is it? The yeah, first day. My memory serves me right. It's about eighteen or twenty kilometers, quite a short distance. But how long would that take, though? Uh, it was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time. Um, bearing in mind, it, a lot of it was walks, and when you've got your heaviest backpack on day one, you're very mindful of this. This is day one. You know, I've got a long way to go yet. So a lot of it is, we call it walking. We used to call it Sahara Shuffle. It's not quite a run. It's not quite a walk. It's something in between right. where you're just doing a little bit of a wiggle, really. So, yeah, it's a, just a Sahara Shuffle. Um, yeah, it took us even climbing up the, the sand dunes, up the mountains. I think it was nearly six hours on the first day for really? me. It was a long time. It was ridiculously long A lot time. of soft sand. So it does vary, doesn't it, on the, on the different... The terrain is incredible. It's not quite what I expected. I expected it to be a lot of soft sand, but a lot of it is just like this barren tundra, this um, quite hard crust, and you become really expert and adept at spotting the soft stuff, and you can choose a path. Um, very quickly you learn different textures, how the sand looks, and you can avoid the softer stuff. Right. When you hit the soft stuff, your your heart just breaks, and it's just awful it's like trying to run in treacle horrible well you showed me to i mean we've got the shoes here obviously people can't see them but i will put a picture of it on um onto uh, the website or onto insta just to show that uh, uh what what they are but they are special shoes that, that you run in and you said that they are proper army issue shoes yes that's correct yeah so, what 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 type were they again the so before i went out there uh, you have to choose what you're going to put on your feet. Very important. And uh, I realise that whatever I chose over here is not going to be very good at keeping sand out and it's not going to be designed and fit for purpose. I thought, what does the military use? So I've done some research, found these, uh, I think they're GTO 3s or XTO 3s. And uh, they're designed specifically for Sahara and or for desert training. Right. So I uh, found those. Found a cobbler that could then attach some Velcro so I could attach my... Uh, gaiters on there silk parachute gaiters and the idea is you've got to keep that sand out of your feet one grain of sand in there over a long distance you're just going to chew your feet up right. so it's really important did you practice with them in this country before yes you absolutely and yeah a hundred percent they were they were well i knew i was gonna have to wear them all week and i knew that i really wanted to know that they wouldn't let the sand in yeah there's various designs but i went for this type of design and uh, yeah, I was so glad because my my shoes worked well and I saw people who didn't fare so well and it was awful. It was. Did uh, you suffer blisters or anything like that at all? Or did your feet? I was really lucky. Yeah. I don't, but, but you had to look after your feet every day then. That was part of the regime, was it? Every yeah, day? the foot maintenance is first and foremost. Mm. Start of the day, end of the day, first things your feet. You have to get them out, get your blisters popped, get your yeah. blisters covered in iodine. Uh, and if you've got a big problem, then you're off to Doc Trotters to go and see the French doctors. Doc Trotters. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Doc Trotters? Yeah. That's, uh, 
It's a great name. So you you can go to see him, and they'll 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 sort of try and sort them out for you. But I mean, they were brutal. They yeah. were. <laughs> so you, if you had to go and see Doc Trotters, if you had a big issue, he would literally make you use your drinking water to wash your feet before you saw them, which was a big no no. You didn't want to give up your drinking water. Sure, it does. And then they would make you lie down on the floor in front of them with your feet up in the air on their knees. They'd whip their scalpel out, scalp your uh, blisters down to the pink fleshy epidermis, iodine, scream, <laughs> and then uh, bandage you up or put plasters on, whatever was needed, and package you off out back out the door. And uh, the screams that you heard while you were waiting were horrendous. It was like <laughs> sitting outside a ghost train. And I suppose... Feet are obviously the, one of the most important things when you when you running or shuffling along in the desert. Um, dehydration's another another one I take it. Absolutely, I mean you you'd see people really struggling, even though you're given, I think it's between eight and ten liters of water a day. Sounds like a lot, you know, it's more than I'd ever drunk in a day. But mm. you would smash that water down. You'd be coming into the checkpoint to pick up another three liters. And you'd be thinking, I haven't had a drink for quite some time because you've already drunk three litres that morning. And there's another three litres come. And of course, you know, you have to keep an eye on the colour yeah. of your, your wee. And you think, oh, right, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> and if you, if, if, do people struggle with that? Do people struggle with dehydration? Or how do they deal with that? Yeah, they, I mean, I, I saw some people coming in. They were in a really poor state coming into checkpoints. And if the doctors deemed that you were, um, falling over an edge basically they would put a drip on you uh, if you had to have a drip you would then also incur a time penalty <laughs> which was really a double-edged sword yeah. so not only are you know you're now no longer moving you've got a time penalty which will get stuck on the next day as well so it's a double-edged sword if you need two drips you're getting even longer time penalty if you needed three drips you're out but the difference between the people that i saw coming in getting a drip and then the people going out, they were different people. They were basically, you know, I wouldn't say at death's door, but they were out of it. Yeah. And then after a drip, they'd come out and just different people. Incredible. Strangely enough, just a little story on that topic. We, we were recently in Mexico and, and uh, at the resort we were at, if you got drunk the night before and you were dehydrated the next morning, you could ring a number and they would come and they'd put a drip in you as well. <laughs> so they'd give you a drip in one arm and a Bloody Mary in the other hand. Brilliant. And, um, and then, and exactly the same as you were saying, next time you saw them, they're full of life. Yeah. We never did it, obviously, because we're not drinkers. But <laughs> um, but yeah, just it's it's amazing what a drip in your arm, a bit of hydration does to you um, at the best of times. But I have no doubt without those drips, those people wouldn't have proceeded past that checkpoint you they, never needed to get that far you no, you, you handled it no, well there's one 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 night on the ultra stage on the 80k stage was not in a good way but uh, i was running with some tent mates and they uh, they got me through it that's the that that's a long that's a 24 hour yeah that's um, it right that's yeah. near the end is what day is that uh second from last day right. so you get you get two days to do it so you can opt to do it in one big hit and you can, uh, or you can opt to dos, dos down in the in the Sahara in the dunes and just have yeah. a bit of a kip and get up the next morning and go again. So we just kept going. But it gets cold at night. Really cold, <laughs> surprisingly cold. Did um, it vary between um, different 
base stations during the week or were, were there some that you found were stayed warm or some that in valleys that got cold I was surprised at how often it was overcast out there. You see pictures of the Sahara and think it's going to be blistering hot yeah, sunshine with yeah. scorpions running around and <laughs> snakes everywhere. But on many days, it was overcast, still very, very hot, but uh, overcast, you know, just uh, murky skies. But uh, at night, my goodness, we were all spooned up in our tent. <laughs> and uh, so the, the, the barriers quickly disappeared when we were all freezing. We are all just... You know, all spooned up together in our tent, just cutched up. <laughs> cutched. But what happened in the tent stays in the tent. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so you sort of do the day, you get back to your tent, sort your feet first. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's so tempting after a day's running in that heat with that backpack bouncing on your back to just come in and all you want to do is flop. You just want to lie there and think, oh, my goodness. Mm. Uh, but you've got to get on with your admin, get on with your maintenance, get on with dealing with your feet, get air to your feet, get your food, get your water boiling because no one does these things for you. It's down to you, mm. everything. So you got to get your little fuel pellets out, get everything ready, get everything going. And then while it's going, chuck your Haribo down your throat that kept me alive. Other sweets are available. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and clothes... You're in the same clothes. Yes. You don't have a. You don't have a. You don't leave your clothes outside the door of the tent, and someone comes and valets them. And, and no, I don't. We didn't have that. You service. didn't have that. No. no, no not well, not going to happen on the other tents. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, saying that, there was a, a guy from the UK that brought an ironing board out there, and uh, I saw this on the film. I saw it on the film. What was going on there? <laughs> what was all that about? Well, a very English thing to do. So he, uh, he. Not only did the marathon de Sarp, he did it carrying all of his kit and an ironing board and an iron <laughs> with everything, including the plug. <laughs> and uh, of an evening, uh, he used to set up the iron outside his tent. And uh, I used to chuckle at the other nations, the Germans, the French coming over. Uh, why do you do this? Well, why not? We're <laughs> <laughs> British. We never have a hotel room yeah. there's no iron and ironing board in. Come on. <laughs> And I just used to say crazy English man and walk off. But uh, unfortunately for me, he was really fast as well and overtook me most days with his iron and a ironing board. Quite incredible. But how how do you, I mean, seriously with that, though, how do you maintain personal hygiene? Because it's one thing, you know, as you said, your, your feet are, you know, taking so much damage. Um but the rest of your body can as well, can't it? I mean, you're sweating that in the sun. It's easy to get ill with that. So how do you maintain any form of, of, of personal hygiene? It was an absolute battle from day one. The, the salt that your body's producing then dries in the sun. Uh, any chafing quickly es escalates into something mm. really quite incredible. So the sweat that runs down your back can end up going, you know, round to the to your bottom mm. and causing really agonising chafing. So you have to keep on top of that. So as I said, I took out uh, dehydrated wet wipes. So that was the main uh, item that I used to clean myself at the end of every day was dehydrated wet wipes, a couple of drips of water, and then get all the nooks and crevices. And yeah, I'm under no illusion that we stank. We all stank and we all stank the same. So we yeah. didn't really notice it. But uh, it is a, it's a constant challenge to keep that sweat at bay. I mean, 
by the end of the week I could stand my top up on its own. <laughs> yeah. It was just a fabric top and uh, just through sand and sweat it could stand up on its own. And sandstorms, because it, mm. were they regular, were they, or just hit you at the most inconvenient time? The worst times. Uh, certainly on the, on the ultra stage we got battered and unfortunately you have to run in the direction that you're running. Uh, unfortunately as well the sandstorm might be coming from the same direction and blowing sand towards you it'll fill up your ears with sand if you're trying to sleep at night your your ears will just gradually get filled up and filled up everything will get covered with this very fine sand it just gets everywhere mm. but I so say you don't have a choice where you got to run it's that direction so you just pray that it's on your back at least then you can just keep going with it but uh, if it the worst sandstorms it was just a case of hunker down and you'd be so disorientated you just had to just hold fire for a little bit and then when it clears a bit get your bearings okay i can see a marker in the distance off we go was it very much looking for the next marker or, or was it like a line of ants going yeah, it was it was like a line of ants you know the the guys at the front very adept at uh, navigating and I say they were typically Moroccans or, you know, African guys, and they were absolutely flying. Mm. Uh, very, very basic kit, very lightweight backpacks. They were flying, absolutely flying. But for the likes of us, it was just follow the leader. Mm. So you just keep the guy in front or lady in front in view, and uh, the person behind would do the same to you. Try and try and run in pairs as much as possible. Just have a bit of a chat because it's very easy to get into dark places. It's very easy to talk yourself down and think, start to think horrible thoughts about, oh, this is awful. This, but if you're just having a life, laugh. Did, did you ever get into them places, did, or did you? Did, were you aware of it so it didn't let yourself get in, or did was it just your mates out there just, just recognise it and dig you out of it? I again, I, I know I've mentioned there before, but luckily for me, Jenny had put like a positive message on the underside of my hat. Mm. So if I ever felt down dark oh this is too much you know this is hurting that's hurting it's just going to be the day that i dnf yeah. i just had a quick look at the message that jenny had written on the underside of my hat and uh, it's like she was with me all the way across yeah. the desert so that's nice yeah very that's thoughtful nice. yeah and it, when so when once you leave the base camps is there anything any shelters or anything on, on the way at all or is it basically open until you get to your the next one so what we'd have to do is go through a series of checkpoints throughout each stage. At each checkpoint, they'd uh, assess you medically, just a visual inspection, just have a quick chat with you. Uh -huh. Okay, yes, yeah. And they give you a water for the next stage. If you didn't look right, they'd pull you up for a bit, sit you down in the shade. There'd be plenty of times that I'd run through and see somebody sitting there with a drip in their arm. And, you know, I just think, Whoa, I'm glad that's not me. Mm. So uh, so once you got through the checkpoint, you're out the other side, you've got your water and off to the next checkpoint. So it's just a case of keep going. And just you had salt tablets. You had uh, quite a few hundred salt tablets. And you had to just keep popping these in your in your water all the time. Right. Just keep that salt intake up. Day four. So that was the, the long day. Yeah. That was the day that you had a few struggles at the end of it or, or during yeah, I had a real it and you also saw a couple of things that was uh... yeah i remember seeing flares going up in the middle of the dunes you know and you think my oh god you know if someone's popping a flare they're in trouble yeah, yeah. um so yeah we all got told that someone had a heart attack survived right. but uh you know not a great place to get in that much trouble um 
yeah, it, things can go. How wrong. many retirees were there every day? Mm. You know, on average. On the first day, it was maybe five, and then after that, 10, 30, yeah. 40. It goes up progressively as the days go on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you see the people coming out of dock trotters and they can barely walk back to their tent and you think, wow, we've got another three days of running through the desert. But you'd see them on the start line the next day and think, I saw you yesterday and you could barely <laughs> walk two foot. Oh, they got there. And, uh, yeah, and they'd be there the day after. So hats off to them. They're the ones. And ironically, it's the people that are the slowest that have uh, enduring the most punishment because they're out in that sun for longer than the yeah, fast course, guys. Yeah. They're yeah. suffering for longer. They're enjoying more sand. Um, and typically every every day when the last runner came in, everyone that was capable of going out would go out and they'd get applauded in mm. by the whole camp. It was, a, it was just the way that it was done. You just go, everyone recognised they'd suffered the most. Yeah, yeah. So off to the fin- off to the finish line, they get a massive cheer from everyone that was capable of getting there. Yeah. Were people timed out at the end of the day or at all? Or? So what we had, we had a the back marker on the mar- Marathon de Saab is a guy with a camel. <laughs> right. So he walks the whole route. If the guy with the camel... Oh, is that, he's, walking the, he's walking the camel. Yeah, he walks a camel. And if he, uh, if he overtakes you, that's it, you're out. So, uh, so it's like a, a third world uh, broom <laughs> wagon then. <laughs> and a few times I'd look back across the dunes and think, oh, bloody hell, there's a camel coming. <laughs> and it'd speed you right up. It'd be quite a few dunes away, but you think, I don't even want to see him. I don't want to be that close to him. That's so, uh, yeah, it's quite a novel way of, uh, of capturing the, the last walkers. What about the, uh, the orchestra then? Tell me about the orchestra, because oh, uh, you're in God. the desert here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It still makes me quite emotional. So after one of the longest days and toughest days, the day after that, they give you a little treat and they, they fly in ice cold Coca-Cola by helicopter. This is after the longest day. Yeah. Um, and they also fly in the French uh, Philharmonic Orchestra. Wow. And they have their tuxedos on. Oh, jeez. And uh, they smell lovely and the music... Yeah, music. Music that they make was just uh, like something you can't even imagine. And we're yeah. sat there, our bodies are battered, and uh, it's the most beautiful thing you'll ever see in your life. Mm. And they smell so fresh yeah. and lovely. Yeah. And they have to put up with you. Yeah, like. they did, unfortunately. I bet but they then, look forward to it every year. <laughs> I bet it's a highlight of their year. But, but such, they don't, don't. But they get emotional about it as well. <laughs> it's hard to imagine such. Yeah. pain and suffering something so horrible and then something so beautiful in the middle it's like yeah. a, a rose in the middle of a load of nettles or thistles mm. and i've never i'm i'm not even into opera but that was the most beautiful lovely. thing it mm. still makes me well up now yeah um you talked about flares going off and things like that and uh, people suffered injuries and uh, and the like what, what sort of were just ankles turning over or just uh, things like that falls and it was mainly blisters. It was horrendous blisters. Like you, I'm not talking about five centimetre round. I'm talking about the whole base of their foot. The skin would be a blister. Right. And they go to the, see the docks, and the docks would skin it down to the pink epidermis, uh, chuck iodine everywhere. And uh, yeah, just, just horrendous blisters. Um, 
thing is once you've started the day's racing once you've put your your talc on you had special uh, very absorbing talc you had your plasters on the last thing you wanted to do is stop at any point to to deal with your feet you didn't want to expose your feet because then you have to dress it all up again yeah, yeah. so uh, even if there's a little bit of rubbing you still wanted to keep pushing i suppose much in the same way if you was doing a marathon yeah you know you yeah. think oh my foot's really hurting but i just want to get to the end yeah then i'll worry I get about to the it end, the better yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh, you get to the end obviously you get past that long day and it's you think to yourself i've only got the only the one day after that that's it stage six uh, and it's over the biggest sand dunes in the area and that was a true sand dune day so uh, one of the shortest days but also one of the hardest days it was just soft stands from the start to the finish mm. and uh, throughout the race they're really good at hiding the end of the stages <laughs> and uh, apparently the, the race director does this quite deliberately so they do it they want you to lose hope they want you to <laughs> so if there's a long straight bit they won't put the finish for that stage at the end of the long straight bit so you can see it they'll put it just around the corner in a little alcove in a mountain so you can't see it so you might be running for 20k and yeah. then at the last k you go oh there it is um and it's much the same with the last stage it was just sand dune after sand dune after sand dune and you just pop up to the top of one and it oh there we go it's a finish and what was the feeling at the finish? <laughs> there was, uh, there was some tears. There was tears. There was sadness. It was done. It was. I was happy, but I was also sad. Yeah. Because it was the end. It was all that traded. All the training. Mm, everything had been focused. Right. And then you all get the emotion a, of the week. Yeah. And then there's Patrick Bauer, the race director, gives you a big old hug, yeah. puts a medal round, and you walk off, and you slump to the ground, and it's, I've done it. Over. And yeah, you really want your family with you yeah. at that point. But you got your tent mates, and we had a good old time. It <laughs> was uh, it was fantastic. Is there anything you would have changed about it at all? <sighs> oh, I definitely wouldn't have gone for the condom pillows. <laughs> that was definitely not a winner. <laughs> oh, if I wish you could sort of rewind it and not worry or think that I'm not going to do it. Just believe in yourself enjoy and enjoy it. it. Yeah, if you do it or if you don't do it, it doesn't matter. Just enjoy that moment. You can you can lose so much time through worry, through self-doubt. I wish I could take that aspect out of it. If I was going to do it again, at least I'd know I've done it before. Okay. Would you do it again? It was a big sacrifice. It was a, a big sacrifice, not just for me, but for Jenny. Mm -hmm. So I have thought about it, but... Um, to give up that much time and give up that much money for yeah. a week's racing. It's a really selfish thing. Quite to, indulgent, isn't it? Very, very. But we as, are indulgent. As athletes, we are indulgent. Yeah. So. so for me, it was my Everest. You yeah. know, I've been to the top. For me, it was my Everest and that was it. It's done now. It was, uh, it was a, a wonderful, wonderful week. And I'll never, ever forget, you know, the laughs that we had in that tent. We were in so much pain every night and we giggled and we chuckled and we told jokes. And you can imagine a tent full of lads. <laughs> it was quite spicy. <laughs> <laughs> and are you you're still in touch with some of the guys? Absolutely, yeah. There's a couple of, um, that I keep in regular contact with. And, uh, you know, even now, you know, uh, the tradition with the races, you whatever your race number is, 
you write your race number the following year because you can send emails out to the race competitors. Oh, right. So they're going to get an email from you. You don't know them and they yeah. don't know you, but you know what they're going through. Yeah. So if you send them a sheet full of jokes. Wow. Which then, you probably would. Absolutely. Some of your best ones that we know of. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you just send them a, an email and they just don't know who you are. If you've, ever, if you've ever heard Jason's jokes and... It's probably enough to make you run to the finish to get away from them, Jason. You <laughs> 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 have to follow him on Facebook to get his jokes. <laughs> Although I, I enjoy him. Don't enjoy let him. your children follow him. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we come to that part of the... Uh, after nearly an hour, would you believe, and I know we could go on forever, but we'll, we'll pick up on a few couple of bits at, uh, after this. But it's that time of the um, of the show where we have to do Rocky's Clock. Oh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Good, good. Um, so we've got, <laughs> and uh, anyone that, that follows us will know what Rocky's Clock is. If you don't know what Rocky's Clock is, go back to previous episodes and find out what it's about, because I'm not going to explain it on every, every one. Um, so go back. But, but basically what we do is we give uh, uh, a minute on the clock and we get... Uh, our guests to answer as many questions as possible to see whether they can get to the end of the questions before Rocky's clock runs out. So, um, so are you ready for Rocky's clock? As ready as I'm going to be. Okay then. So, here we go. Rocky's clock. Rocky's clock. Can you beat Rocky's clock? Okay. So, run in hot weather or cold. Definitely hot. That's a surprise. What shoes do you run in? I love my hockers. Big fan of hockers. Yeah, yeah me too. Your best sporting moment? Oh, it's got to be complete in the MDS, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> Who's your favourite childhood toy? Action Man. I loved his eagle eyes. He was great. <laughs> the first concert you ever attended? Or oh, went to see a punk sort of Irishy type band called The Levelers. They were brilliant. From all of history, who would you most like as a mentor? It's got to be Nelson Mandela for what he achieves, turning the whole country around. My old man stuck to his guns. And, Scariest uh, yeah, moment of your life? It's got to be up on the, the mountains of North Wales, probably on Trevan. Not being interviewed in the Govcast. Your sporting event you'd love to do? Rocky's clock, Rocky's clock, you didn't beat Rocky's clock. Well, well, well there we go, nearly, nearly finished that. We only had a few questions left there, Jace. So uh, I've got some good answers there, That's some really good answers. Um, so, yeah, well done, well done, nearly nearly got there. Following the MDS, have you, you, you kept in touch with people, have you? Have you, you know, you've made lifelong friends out of it, really? Yeah, I mean, say, it's a fantastic experience, and from the, from the get-go, I was fortunate to have a really supportive running club with lots of people there. You know, good mate, John Matthews, a super club chairman. And, uh, you know, the MDS, you know, still keeping contact with Nick Keane and Rupert Williams. Some, you know, fantastic guys. We had a great time out in the MDS in our little tent. We just joked and laughed solidly <laughs> for a whole week and just supported each other. Again, it was just... Uh, with any of these events, it's just like ripples in a pond. You make the decision to do it, and all these other people get involved and support you yeah. and help you. And without all these other people keeping you going, you just wouldn't get to the finish line. It's um, yeah, it really is you know, quite an experience. 
but you must have had some sort of conversation when you sat in there in the evening all all you know together after a hard day you must have some some interesting conversations in there if you're not sleeping we do and you know we had this uh, a hot topic you know if you could have anything you want right now what would you go for and you know everyone you know, classic was oh, i'd love a cold beer i'd I'd love an ice cream, you know, all the things that you really crave. But one of the guys was sat there quietly and he just said, you know what, you're all, you're all wrong. He said, you know what you'd really like now? And uh, we said, what? And he said, a chair to sit in. And as soon as he said that, it was like, yes, because you've just been on the floor or <laughs> running all week. So you just sat there cross-legged. If you could just sit in a nice, comfy chair for a half hour, You'd be the happiest man alive. That's really, really clever, actually. Yeah, I suppose you did that when you got back to the hotel at the end of it, then, because you weren't. Uh, you, you had to sit around the pool, didn't you? <laughs> yes, we had to. We had to sit around the pool. We had a we had a like a closing ceremony, for want of a better description. And uh, there's huge pool that uh, you really desperately wanted to jump in, but basically because of the condition of all of our feet and uh, our bodies blistered cut uh they decided it was unhygienic to allow us to use the pool so this fantastic ginormous pool and we weren't allowed to jump in it was criminal so what's next for jason now then what's next for jason what's next what's next I, yeah i've got my eye on one more race you know it's my my little pipe dream it's a an art a race in the arctic called the ravini 150 Quite similar oh, wow. to the MDS, apart from substitute sand for snow. So it's 150k <laughs> through the Arctic. Quite a low-key event, but carrying all your stuff on a on your sledge behind, and uh, yeah, a multi-day event. So yeah, one day oh, I will wow. do it. I will do it. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure. You know what? I'm sure you will. Well, you know what, Jace? It's been an absolute pleasure. It's a fantastic story. Um, you know, I've I've to listen to you and. Uh, to hear all about it it's been something i've been interested in for years uh, and it's been a a joy to uh, to hear your story from you and i know it's it's probably opened your eyes as well a little bit and brought it all back to you so um thank you so much for giving your time up and uh, thank you and jenny for uh, for being so hospitable and uh, and making time for us and i'm sure everyone's going to love this on the uh, the godcast uh, the godcast uh, uh, from the club and uh, beyond as well so cheers, Jason. Thank you so John, much. The pleasure's been all mine. You've been a wonderful person and uh, it's been quite cathartic to be interviewed and uh, go back over old memories. So I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Oh, you know what? I really enjoyed that. Um, had a really good time with him. He gave me a really, really nice welcome. He's got a beautiful little place in the middle of North Wales, and then we sat, uh, in, we sat in a caravan, as I mentioned in the uh, in the podcast, and we we sat there overlooking the Carnadai, and it was a clear day, and it was just beautiful there. Hot, absolutely boiling hot, but it was beautiful there, uh, and it was a. I, I quite felt for Jason because he he was sort of reliving the whole story about the MDS from, you know, 10 years ago. 
Uh, and I think it was probably the first time he's ever sat down and spoken about the whole thing. And he was quite emotional in parts about it. And um, you, you could see why, really. It was quite close to his heart. You know, it's something that his, I think he said in it, it was his, his Everest. And, you know, and he had mixed emotions at the end of it that he had finished it. Um, but he'd had actually Everested, you know, and uh, he was he was quite emotional about that. Um must also say he never mentioned uh, in there because that's what Jason's like. He uh, he actually uh, r- uh, raised three and a half thousand pounds for the firefighters charity as well just by doing that. So uh, well done to him for that. Uh, and he also mentioned the Long Distance Walkers Association uh, (LDWA) and you were just saying that you'd been looking into that as well because uh, a lot of people uh, have, uh, think highly of them. Uh, and some of the events that they do and uh, I think if anybody's looking to train or go for long walks across Wales and um, to use it as part of the training then then look them up on the internet we'll put the the link on the the website and on the show notes as well uh, on Spotify so uh, have a look look at them and um, see whether you want to go on one of their little trips or not little long trips yeah someone recommended them to me um i can't remember who it was now so i've got the tab open on my phone um because they are yeah very well thought Mm. of and um useful for longer distances as well if you're looking to but it was good miles in the legs really good that jace thank you very much for sharing that and i hope everybody uh enjoyed it as much as i did i've got his photo album here from uh uh because he offered uh to me to have a look through and it's it's really good it's uh it's just one of those things i'm not gonna do it even after a few drinks i'm not gonna sign up for it. <laughs> i can promise you that after hearing that i have no interest at all um anything from you sorry our dog's just like walking <laughs> around the living room she just opened the door open the door with her nose and let it bang she's very <laughs> inconsiderate um, but no, and I just want to say, yeah, to, to Jason, it's a brave thing to agree to be interviewed. Um, it is. Well, it's not as brave as doing Marathon de Sables, but, um, you know, to, to be interviewed, you know, it's a brave. So, yeah, well done, Jason. It, it doesn't, you know, some people, it doesn't come naturally to. And, and, and uh, like Jay, yeah, <laughs> Jason was really concerned about it and worried about it. And, you know, and he, he did say to me before, you know, you've interviewed some of these athletes he's great athletes you know you, you had Luz Minchin and you had Doddy and you've had Garen and Rocky and Rian there's members uh, we're just normal d- we people just, we all do it we all do it we're just normal people and anyone can do it and, and you know your story is your story uh, and uh, it can be really really interesting you know and he did a great job of it uh, he was a great host and um and I think he's he's really pleased that he did it so oh, so those people that I asked to come on the show just come on and chat because you, you're really interesting. Uh, everyone's got these We do need stories. to add, um, get somebody for the next one now as well. We do, we? and I have a few ideas. Um, so uh, people will be uh, uh, having messages in their inbox. But uh, if you do have any ideas for who you want to be interviewed, please tell us, email us on... The Godcast. <laughs> the Godcast at gmail.com yeah. or on Everything's the Godcast. The Godcast on Facebook, on all social media. It's always the Godcast. So, uh, yeah, just. Uh, so, just one last thing for me, really. Um, that is that Always Aim High are looking for marshals uh, for the Sandman 
triathlon, which mm-hmm. is in Newborough. Fantastic event. We've done that one a few yeah, times. Yeah, love it. Lovely to marshal as well. Late it is in September. The weather's normally pretty good. Always a great event. And the other one they're looking for marshals for is the return of the Llandidno Triathlon. Um, that's in uh, late September. So if you can assist with marshalling, and it's a very generous um, you know, marshal package as well. You can have credits towards a future event. Um, so do get in touch with Always Aim High um, on Facebook, I'd probably suggest is yeah, the best yeah. way. I'll, yeah, I'll drop, drop him a, a I message. Think I went on f- Adam that, that does it. Because I've marshaled. I went on the Facebook page, got the details for Adam, sent him an email and yeah. uh, went from there. So... I think um, we need to oh, support actually, them. Sorry, there is a Marshall Facebook page, oh, but you probably find that on the Always Aim yeah. High. Um, yeah, we need to support them because they've, they've, you know, they've brought back the Landing the Triathlon, uh, and it's a super series um, one as well. Uh, we need to support them on that because it's going to be a great event. I know there's loads of gogs going into it, um, so you know if you're if you're there supporting or any of your family there supporting you, get them to go and uh, Marshall f- as well. Uh, because it's all very, very Clandidno based. Mm. Uh, oh, you can also have money in the shop as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's not yeah. just for an event. Um, so, yeah, do that if you can, just to make the event even better. Even better. Yeah, we look forward to uh, doing that. We could, uh, Yeah, so that's coming up soon. Uh, we've got lots of things coming up soon. The season's far from being over. So, there's la- And, of course, Snowdonia Marathon in a couple of months' time. Yeah, there's lots, lots of people we know doing that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about that next time, maybe. And, uh, uh, and, you, and you know, take it from Jason. He's done it six times. Has he? Yeah. Well, yeah, you heard. Oh, gosh, yeah, sorry. It's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a very long day. <laughs> he's done it six times. He's not doing it this year, but he's did, he done it six times. He's got six slates for the table. So, uh, uh, and he loves it. So if he loves it, it's good enough for him. It's good enough for you all to do. But it's just closed now, isn't it? So if you're not in, you're not in. Anyway, John, anyway. you're waffling now, mate. Anyway, right. So that's a godcast for um, where are we? August. August. <laughs> August. I don't even know. What, don't even know what month it is anymore. Um, so uh, yeah, so it's been good. It's been good. Uh, another good uh, interview. Another good godcast. And um, if you do results. say so yourself, yeah. <laughs> if I do say so myself, yeah. So not so. modest. What's the opposite of modest? <laughs> not modest. Big headed or yeah. something similar. No, no. But anyway, enough now. Let's okay. just let's just wrap I know this my up. Price. We'll wrap this up. Um, okay. So anything else to say from you? No, that's it from me. Remember, get in touch with us. Respond to us on social media. I'm not going to say, should we go for a run? Because what time is it? It's like ten to twelve it's at 10 night. To 12. You've been working all day. I've been on. Uh, I've been blowing my whistle at Gogs this evening, and uh, we are actually ready to just put our feet up, aren't we? Yes. Okay. Should we go put our feet up? <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Cheers. Speak soon. Cheers.